So Crisp, a tasty bite-sized podcast that serves business, bravery, branding, beauty, sex, love, motherhood, womanhood, feminism, labels, psychology, marketing, messaging, mavenry, musicals, and the mess we call life. All deliciously dished up and ready to consume. In fact, is there anything we don't discuss? Not with Jay Crisp Crow, copywriting queen from Crisp Copy in the kitchen. I hope you're hungry. someone who identifies as a woman and you run a business and perhaps you know you need to compartmentalize your bank accounts. Yes, you do, by the way. Your work hours, again, good idea. And sometimes your emotional responses to business happenings so they don't start overtaking your entire personal life, you'd be on the right track. However, as we get better at compartmentalizing our feelings about business, I believe we don't want to go too hard working that on the flip side. What do I mean by that? Well, I believe it's a big boo-boo to think your personal belief system doesn't have anything to do with how you turn up as your business self. In fact, if there's anything that will undermine your business success more than a global pandemic, it's the stories you tell yourselves about yourself and overlay those stories on how you grow, scale, conduct business at all. When Nina Mills wrote this in her podcast pitch for So Crisp, I had the oh heck yes moment and I loved those. She wrote, as a copywriter, you are always talking about the emotive and evocative power of words and not surprisingly, these power words have a lot of power when we use them in relation to food. So Crisp is a podcast for businesswomen, anyone who identifies by businesswomen. So this podcast is all about you. So Nina is with me today to unpack the power we give, the words we talk about and talk to ourselves about food and what diet culture is and what role does it play in how women show up in business. Nina is a certified intuitive eating counsellor and dietitian. So yep, she knows what she's talking about. Welcome Nina. Thank you so much, Jay. I'm really excited to be here to talk about words. Yes, <laughs> I, I um, actually expand out my label as dietitian. I, I define myself as an anti-diet weight inclusive dietitian. Um, and so I work with people kind of across that spectrum of um, people who are chronic dieters, disordered eating uh, or, or have eating disorders to kind of help them reconnect with their bodies and make choices from a place of self-care and ultimately feel good eating. And feel good eating is the name of my uh, business. So it all just ties in really nicely. It does. Tell us the label that you chose again to say that again. Anti-diet weight inclusive dietitian. I love it. I love it. Well, so these are some of the words that you kind of um, were, were bouncing around when we were talking about maybe um, putting this podcast episode together. Good, bad, guilty pleasure, guilt-free, sinful, clean, healthy. So mm-hmm. these are the words that you know pack a punch when it comes to the way women think about themselves. How do you think they influence what we believe about ourselves as successful businesswomen? This is this is so big. This is so big. And, you know, I, I started by um, relating this to the labels we attach to food. Yeah. Um, and we, it, it's fine. It's fine to use these words, but um, with the kind of meaning that we have attached to them, I mean, you might have noticed that they're all, all descriptors that have roots in morality. Yes. Which, you know, it would be fine, except as humans, we tend to internalise those moral judgments about food onto ourselves and then, you know, 
conversely, how we, how we see ourselves as, as people in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think that like the, the negative ones, like bad, sinful, mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you think that they have that power to really overlap? Well, we, I think about myself like this whilst I'm eating breakfast and therefore I think about myself like this whilst I'm ready to pitch to the board. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> I can say it as simple as that, but I, I really do think, and I think it's something that, that um, can be super nuanced and po- possibly not um, front of mind or conscious that it's something that sits in our subconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it really speaks to the world that we live in and I guess, you know, where these words have come from and how they're used. Uh, and, you know, I, I use the word power word because uh, it's a copywriting term i'm assuming i mean you know much more about this than me that, that it's there to make people feel something or take action or, or or do something um and those power words being i guess generating negative power we're going to internalize that and take that with us into our day or into our life or into our business do you want copywriting glory and an itty bitty price tag The Crisp Copy Class Self-Guided Course Option is a comprehensive copywriting course for women ready to write bank-making copy on a bootstrapping-friendly budget. Over 30 hours of recordings, oodles of downloadable worksheets, tutorials and structural guides, everything from about pages to sales pages and all the copy in between, all with lifetime access. Wet your whistle at crispcopy.com.au and click the Courses tab or check it out in the show notes. So when you started out as a dietitian on your website, it says that you um, did it for a number of years as a, you know, I guess a classic dietitian for, for want of a better term. And then you've become um, that fantastic label that you gave yourself earlier. How did that come about? Like, tell me the backstory. Oh, yeah. So uh, becoming a dietitian was a long time coming. I was speaking to someone the other day and I think it took me around eight years to actually kind of get my piece of paper. So I, um, I've always worked in health uh, ever since, you know, 14 years and nine months when you can get your part-time job in high school. I started working in a pharmacy and I've been in health in some way, shape or form ever since. Um, and I, you know, full disclosure, I started studying nutrition um, before I started dietetics with the intent of this would be really great to be able to do uh, as a job and help people. But if I never get a job, I'm, I'm really glad that I'll be able to use all of this information for myself. And right. by my, you know, using it for myself, it was, I'm hoping that I'll crack the code for um, sustainable weight loss. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that was like the underlying yeah. driving yeah, yeah, force. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I became a, a qualified university qualified nutritionist uh, and never got a job. I, could, I couldn't get work as a nutritionist because everyone wanted a dietitian. Uh, and finally, I, I got sick of my office job. Uh, and it was, it was getting into work one morning at about 7.30 and there was no one else there. And I just looked around and I was like, I cannot bear to think that I will be here in 12 months time. And that was what spurred me on to to apply to become a dietitian. And at that point I had come across um, a food coach in the U S called Isabel Fox and Duke, and also a nutritionist in Canada, I think. Uh, And it's Michelle Ellison, but she calls herself the fat nutritionist. And I really love, I love that. Yes. Yes. I really loved, um, this angle they had, which was, was food and eating behavior. And that really 
intrigued me. It's like, oh, yeah, this is more about what we eat. It's like, why are we eating and what's, what's our food story and what's our um, body story? So I went into dietetics thinking that's what I was going to learn. And I had a big what the fuck moment <laughs> when, I got in, when I got to uni and it was BMI and calculate requirements and don't make people get too fat and try and help people lose weight and, and everything was geared around uh, trying to shrink bodies or keep bodies small. It was really this, the kind of undercurrent was weight equals health and we need to okay. do everything we can to keep people's weight in a certain way to keep them healthy. And I, I really struggled. I, I went into dietetics thinking I was, I was going to be helping people with their relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard. It was hard. And I, I had to kind of just play the game for the 18 months I was there to get my piece of paper and kind of hightail it out there and, and never look back. And I've, Yeah. And then go I on have, to completely change the system. That's how you do I've, it, right? <laughs> yeah. I've done a, a bunch of, um, additional training i guess to to work in the way that i want to which was which is to provide um nutrition counseling as to, as opposed to that real traditional um clinical dietetics which i really associate with just being the food police yeah want right. to get as far away as possible from that do you think that you would have come we, we, we would have had that come to god or what the fuck moment as you call it if you hadn't had already experienced that relationship push and pull with your own undercurrent of desire to to figure out what it is about losing weight that you couldn't figure out before and for your own for your own self yeah i i think i think all of that is is wrapped up and is part of it um Mm. being on and off honestly half-hearted attempts at diets and um some levels of success and I'm, I'm you can't see me I'm doing lots of air quotes yeah here. This, I, felt, <laughs> I felt the air quote around success yeah, yeah. <laughs> um with with weight loss and and really noticing that yeah it's I mean diets diets do work they do um result in in people losing weight but we don't stay there the weight yeah. comes back the weight comes back and in a lot of cases the weight comes back Plus some more for good measure. Yeah. 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 So that was kind of tied up in in my um, experience coming to train as a dietitian as well. Yeah, for sure. So I think I've already told the story on this podcast about how I didn't enter awards because what if I won and I had to go on stage? So my plan was always, well, I can win some awards when I've lost 40 kilos because then if I win... I'll be okay to go and accept my award. Mm-hmm. And so that guilt and shame thing, at one point I realised that had got to go. Otherwise, I was never going to win an award, um, which is one of the, I love that, I love that that woman calls herself the fat nutritionist. Um, yes. It's one of the reasons that I like to use the word fat as often as I can in really positive ways. So even in my copy, when I'm not talking about bodies, I'm trying to incorporate it in a way. And it's, you know, it's just one of those little undercurrent things that I like. That's part of my brand so I talk about you know fat juicy copy and um, fat juicy lists and those kinds of things that's like kind of reimagining the word as a super positive thing because it in my growing up and my existence as um, a dancer and then a bulimic dancer and then a very sick young woman fat was the worst word in the world worse than any other word that I could possibly think of Mm. I know you have a checkered past with the word diet which you very eloquently and beautifully explain on your website so 
people go and read that. So if we're going to geek out on some word nerdiness, do you do a similar thing with other particular words like I do with fat? What do you choose and how, how do you see it when you use those words in a positive way? You bring them to the forefront because fat's such a shameful word, you just don't even want to hear it mentioned. How do you see it helping women who work with you? I am fully with you in terms of reclaiming the power back from the word fat. You know, we talk about power words and the meaning attached to them and the fact that fat for such a long time has had such negative connotations to it. You're right, it is like the worst thing that um, you could ever say to someone. And mm. it's just not the case. It's a, it's a descriptor. It's mm. a descriptor. What, what the power is, is, is all of that meaning that we have attached to it. When I'm working with people because that word has such, um, such a checker pass, I am really careful to find out from the person who's sitting across from me um, what is the word that they want to use to describe themselves or their relationship to their body or their relationship to food and we work with that. Excellent. Sometimes people get to um, that, sometimes yeah. they don't. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's funny you say, what, what words have you tried to reclaim or, or change their power? I have so many sessions where, um, the client and I, we're sitting there trying to find the word that doesn't have a, a diety connotation to it. You know, you can't <laughs> talk about, oh, I'd really, I'd like to consider, you know, some, some maybe more, um, I don't know, lighter snacks or, or lighter meals <laughs> right. or, um, I'd like to consider my health when it comes to my eating and, and some, you know, what, what would healthy eating look like? It's like, oh, even those words, you can't say them now without them having been um, co-opted and, and tainted by diet yeah. culture that, uh, you know, using those words now when people have started to move away from diets and move away from feeling as though pursuing weight loss is the only thing that they're supposed to do. Uh, even using those words can generate a lot of guilt in people because they're like, oh, I'm not supposed to be thinking about things in that diety way anymore. Oh my but gosh, I also don't have the sides. language. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how does the rest of your industry feel about you labelling yourself as anti-diet? Have, you ever, ha have you ever got any kind of kickback from that? Um, there is, we're not a subculture anymore. We are a growing force <laughs> to be reckoned with. Yeah. It's not just me here in Melbourne. It's not just me here in Australia. And it's not just me here in, in the world who is, um, uh, adopted this, this label anti-diet. Um, it is a, a growing movement. It's, it's, um, underpinned with, uh, health at every size and also social justice that all bodies deserved respectful dignified healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So it's sometimes feels a bit like us and them. Mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely uh, a lot of appetite, another food pun there, <laughs> for um, approaching this idea of health differently when it comes to food. Excellent. That's yeah. really good to hear. Um, so COVID-19 is the elephant in the room for so many conversations now. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I was reading a, a chat in one of my, um, the Australian women who write Facebook group and somebody was saying, you know, they're writing their novel and they're partway through and now they're a little bit like, um, so when I started writing the novel, COVID wasn't a thing and now I'm halfway through writing the novel and like, 
what's everybody else going to do about the fact that there is this major worldwide event that um, are we just going to ignore it in our novels? Like, are we going to write it in? It's like, it's, it's, it's such an interesting thing, but it is changing the way that women all around the world feel about themselves, their parenting. A lot of us thought we were really good until we had to <laughs> crisis school our children, um, their businesses, loads of folk are having to pivot, which I think is, as I've said before, 2020's most hated word apart from unprecedented. Yeah. Um, and we all know that the toughest time to pivot is when you're under tremendous pressure. Do you think, has COVID changed the way that you work with women or do you expect that it's going to change the way? you work with women and how do you think that those stories we tell ourselves about power and food and guilt will change? Because like I've seen already so many bordering on fat phobic comments on Facebook, just about getting like COVID fat, lockdown fat. Yeah. It's like a fear yeah. that that's going to happen. It has changed things tremendously. Um, our relationship with food, uh, taps into our relationship with our body mm -hmm. and that taps into our relationship with ourselves, our self-worth. And uh, I'm using your dreaded word unprecedented. There has been an unprecedented demand on these types of services, mental health services. And, yeah. um, you know, because I work in the space of eating disorders, it, it flows into the work that I do as well. You know, dietitians who are working with people on the relationship with food. Um, I'm starting to think it's because the rest of our lives and the rest of our world was distracting us from the mm -hmm. stuff that was actually going on. And now that we are all at home with not Ourselves. much else to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All of this stuff is bubbling up to the surface. Right. Uh, good and bad. Um, for a lot of people, this has been the first time that they've had space to actually contemplate addressing any of this stuff, okay. which has been amazing. It's been amazing. Uh, and we've seen the rise of, of telehealth. Mm -hmm. I work oh. 100% oh. online now. How amazing I, is that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. disabled people have been calling, calling for that for forever. Ever. <clears throat> and it was um, shocking, but maybe not as shocking as it should have been to see it all come together in two weeks flat, when apparently before it was absolutely never going to be able to happen. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, it was my, my office is sitting, has been sitting empty for, oh, since March. Okay. I haven't seen anyone in person since then. Um, <laughs> I've been working 100% online and it has meant that uh, access yeah, accessibility is no longer a barrier. Yeah. So it has meant that um, more people are kind of like, okay, I've, I've got, I've got the time, I've got the space now to do this. I don't have to worry about um, meetings, uh, being at work and having to ask for time off to mm -hmm. go to an appointment. Uh, it's really opened that up. So I am really grateful that that has meant people have been able to seek support yeah. where they perhaps didn't feel they had the space all the time or maybe that they were deserving of it either. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty wonderful. Mm. Oh, I've, I feel, <clears throat> I feel better after talking to you today. I often say these, <laughs> these episodes are, Jay, these episodes are not a therapy session for you, um, but <laughs> sometimes they, they turn out to be on the side. Um, so you're an expert on this stuff. My own lived experience aside, which is, multiple times, but one time I, I attended five events in a row of a certain women business group mm -hmm. and didn't end up in one of their photos, not one, even though I remember the photographer 
flitting around everywhere because I know I just didn't fit the look of the brand, but I could have been imagining it. Totally wasn't. Um, and you're the expert. So I'm going to shut up and let you talk. Do you think business women, particularly women in business who have to present as their brand and be the face of a business have internalized weight bias? And what does that look like for anyone who doesn't understand what that term means? Such a such an amazing question, Jay. And I want to go back to you saying you have your lived experience, but I'm the expert. I actually think that you having lived this in the body that you have uh, counts for way more than me having a, a piece of paper saying that I can do <laughs> stuff with food. Um, yeah, I... Oh, you are just you are the expert of your body you are the expert of of all of your experiences and that that counts for something um i'm i'm here to support people with where they want to go but i can never begin to expect that i understand what their food body story has been or where it wants to go so mm -hmm. yeah i just i really I don't know. There's a, there's a little bit of therapy for you as well, Jay. Own <laughs> your experience. You Own your much. experience. But yeah, weight bias. Um, I don't know. It's it's a word that is being tossed around a bit more, or a term that's being tossed around a bit mm -hmm. more. Uh, and if we're to to define it, we we kind of all hold a set of socially informed attitudes, beliefs, assumptions, judgments, um, and they're, they're they're things that we hold about. Um, individuals based on their weight or body size. And so we learn these beliefs from our family, our friends, um, media, the culture that we live in. These are kind of our biases. Typically weight bias refers to the negative attitudes, beliefs, assumptions, and judgments people have about um, higher weight bodies or mm -hmm. fatness, um, which means on the flip side, people tend to have positive attitudes, beliefs, assumptions, and judgments about lower weight bodies or thinness. Um, so an example of this would be a doctor who assumes that their larger body patients eat a lot of fast food. Like they mm -hmm. just, they just have that belief. Uh, so internalized weight bias then refers to how as how we as individuals adopt or internalize um, all of those attitudes, beliefs, assumptions, and judgments that are either in favor of thinness or against fatness. Okay. Um, so coming back to your example uh, at the event with the um, photos and and not being included, that really taps into, yes, we, gosh, being in a smaller body affords people a lot of social currency in the world that we live in at the yeah, moment. Yeah, so that's a great term, social currency. That's absolutely true. Yeah, there is, again, there is a lot of power uh, that comes with being in a smaller body. Uh, the world just works for people in smaller bodies um and uh, so that so that means that again there's, there's so much association and, and attachment to all of that and that filters through to okay well how do i want my brand to be associated do i want it to i want it to be associated with all of those things that come with being in a smaller body which is power um success wealth um and somebody not fitting that aesthetic mm -hmm. well, what is what's that going to do to my brand yeah yeah I saw a um I saw a business coach once answer a, a specific question so somebody it had come up in conversation <clears throat> in um her quite large Facebook group and somebody had said to her well you know how do you feel about would you hire someone to represent or work for your brand or work on your team who was fat and mm -hmm. she said well I wouldn't discriminate against anybody who was fat however 
whenever I go to hire somebody to work in my business and work for my brand, I want to make sure that they have the same amount of energy for my brand and for business as I do. And so I would always choose someone based on the energy output that they were able to deliver. So what are we reading between the lines? Yeah, there? And I, I kind of read it and I went, that's the problem. It's that justification to yourself that that is an okay thing without thinking about it for one second about why does it mean that small bodies have more energy? And, mm. and, and you're right. All of those things that you think about people like, can they not self-regulate? Will they not be reliable with my business because they can't be reliable and accountable to themselves? Um, that's all stuff I think that we think, um, and I'm saying we because I live in a fat body, but I still catch myself doing that. I don't think that there's, um, I don't think that there's many of us who grow up in the culture that we grew up in who would find themselves being absolutely 100% able to go put, put their hand up and think, I never think those kinds of things. You do. You just catch yourself afterwards once you've yeah. learned some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we think that um, all of that stuff isn't harmless. But, yes. But it is the way that we internalise those stories that we hear about bodies and weight. They do affect how we treat our bodies, ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have the greatest amount of um, empathy and compassion for people who are in, in high weight bodies who come to me and say, yeah, but I still wish that I could be smaller. I don't want to diet anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to um, have a better relationship with food, but I, I, like, I still hope that yeah. in doing this, my body's going to be smaller. I'm like... I can't blame you. The world treats people in higher weight bodies horrendously. Yeah. Of There's course, a- you just want to be accepted, respected. Yeah. Um, it always requires more proof, I think, is what I, oh, is what yeah. I think about it. You, you always have to work that little bit harder because, um, because you, you have to prove something. Mm. Mm. So you've done the Chris Copy class with me, right, Nina? Yes, I have. <clears throat> yes, you have, and you were fabulous at it. Um, and you know that I love a CTA. Um, mm-hmm. in, in your case, I would almost say that it is a call to arms rather than a call to action. Yes. Um, so if you could give the women that are listening, particularly businesswomen who are listening to this episode today, who might be nodding their heads along to what you're saying, um, besides visit your website and read everything, which I highly recommend you do, and I have <laughs> done, let me just say, um, what, what would be your call to action, the one small thing that they could do today, either, even, either if they are in how they perceive a larger body and they feel like internalised weight bias is a problem for them, the words that they might be able to use, with themselves or how they could catch themselves or flip side, if they are a woman in business who does have, you know, who who recognise themselves in that last little bit that we talked about where you are judging people based on the size of their bodies, what's the one thing that they should start doing? Oh, gosh, I think my call to arms is to get curious. Yeah, good. And get compassionate. Because this is not up to individuals to change their bodies to conform to diet culture. This is about the culture needing to change. And so that means everyone has a role to play, which means we do. We have to start getting curious about um, all of the stuff that we've been led to believe and all of the stuff that we believe about ourselves, believe about other people. And in getting curious about that, that 
can unearth some stuff that can be painful. So it's the curiosity with compassion. Uh, it's, it's well worth oh, the J word journey. <laughs> That's right. You can use it. One time. Oh, right. I hate it. I hate Are you going to say passionate right after? <laughs> no, no. It's, it's well worth the, the process of um, dismantling all of these systems of oppression that we have in place that not only marginalise people in, in high weight bodies, but, you know, everyone else, people of colour, people with different abilities, yeah. um, people of different sexualities, people of different religions. Um, until, until all bodies are liberated, none of us are going to be free. Oh, I love it. Let me clap. Yep. Okay. Education changed the world. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being so crisp with me, Nina Mills. Um, I'm absolutely honoured that you decided that you wanted to come on and talk to me about these things. I love this episode. Um, please, if you're listening, listen to it again. <laughs> May your day be so crisp, as crisp as how this rolls off your tongue. I totally stole it from Nina's website. Done with dieting? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much, Jay. This has been so crisp, but my guest has been Nina Mills, intuitive eating counsellor and dietitian in Melbourne, who loves to work with people to figure out the how and why behind their eating rather than telling them what to eat. Feel Good Eating exists to help you reject diet culture, tune into your body's own inner wisdom about how to truly nourish yourself, and ultimately feel good eating, which is her, Nina's clever and purposeful pun. You've been listening to So Crisp with copywriter, copy coach and consultant J. Crisp Crow. If you've loved this episode, get all the juicy details and links at crispcopy.com.au forward slash podcast. Make sure you never miss a bite by subscribing to So Crisp wherever you get your podcasts. Want to help us spread the deliciousness? Rate and review this show and share with your mates. Remember, if there's a copy question you want nibbled at, email me straight away right now.